0: I'm ready i have i don't even know why i brought this book more for comfort than actually to need it but it does have a cool quote about barrett and luthien and the milton letters i bring
1: books for comfort all the time isn't that
0: a thing oh yeah. it's just you need like
1: Unlike like the plane i'll bring out like five books yeah like i'm not even gonna read me. any of them like
0: i'm <laughs> gonna pull out a book on my kindle but like i need them with me oh yeah um tragic i i left my copy of pride and prejudice in the chicago airport
1: Mm. I know I don't know if I have a copy of that
0: I literally bought another one Like as soon as I got to where I was going I went to a bookstore and I was like Hey can I have a copy of Pride and Prejudice And they're like yeah Except now all of my Jane Austen books Are like the Barnes and Noble edition Except for my copy of Pride and Prejudice And I'm like
1: this is I feel real like dumb. I feel like Barnes and Noble probably has a really nice one Like you know, like those Barnes and Noble classics
0: Oh no I really want to I actually I give my books away as gifts sometimes if I Because I'm poor um, and so I, uh, I gave my copy of the annotated version of Pride and Prejudice to actually my future co-host, Mary. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's like, it's got the story on one side and then it's got really in-depth like footnotes on the other side and it's fantastic.
1: I so. definitely have Pride and Prejudice zombies in here somewhere, but I have not read it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I watched the movie cause it has Lily James in it. Okay. As Lizzie Bennet. I like then... Lily James. I do too. Yeah. And then Matt Smith is Mr. Collins, which is hysterical like his (laughs) mr collins is perfection um but i feel like they could have done so much more interesting things with the story instead of just turning to like violence oh yeah like what if mr bennett was a zombie and that's why they had to marry off the girls relatively quickly you know before anyone found out that mr bennett was a zombie
1: yeah
0: right because then like what if mr darcy knew that mr bennett was a zombie was still willing to marry lizzie when lizzie turned him down that would have been a huge thing you know i don't know there's other ways to up the stakes rather than just like Give everyone a sword. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, everyone. So you're joining us. We're just doing a little pregame talk. Um, You're joining us for Keeping Up With Joe. And if this is your first time here, welcome. If you like the show, I'd like to invite you to definitely subscribe via your favorite podcast player. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to go over to josephwriteranderson.com slash subscribe to sign up for our monthly newsletter. So the newsletter, you get actually exclusive early access to some of our best podcast episodes before they come out. And you also get the latest writing tips and tricks sent to your newsletter, as well as some other cool things that we're working on. So make sure to do that if you haven't already. So today we're again joined by Michaela Loomis. And we're going to be talking about... Let me see what we're we going to be talking about.
0: We are going to be talking about our five favorite literary couples.
1: Oh, yeah. I us. <laughs> I'm
0: so excited. I have, like, two pages of notes printed out. I brought the simoleon with me, and Joe was like, oh, I, I took some notes on my phone. <laughs> and I'm just like, get ready, Joe.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, coming out of the gate a little behind here, <laughs> but I did study English for four years, so I think I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, we're going to switch off. So we're going to each one of us is going to go like we're each going to list who we think should be on the list of top 10. So we each chose five. This way we get around me being the only one who has the entire list.
0: <laughs> he also wanted an, ex- like a, an easy out so that I would write half of a blog post yeah, for him. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this will be probably turning into a blog post. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I do have two pages of notes. So yeah, just,
1: just email me those. I'll like <laughs> <laughs> I'll add leave, some headers. I'll
0: leave the notes with you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So I think to get started.
0: You want to go first?
1: I'll go first. Okay, yeah. great. So I'm going to start with, so my my list is a smidge dark, but I think I'm going to start with Dante and Beatrice first. Oh. Have you read uh, Dante's Inferno?
0: I, I've only actually read The Inferno. So like, Yeah.
1: I only read The Inferno, too, because that was the most interesting. Yeah. It kind of starts going downhill as it gets better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> better for Dante, less interesting for the rest of us.
1: Exactly. But I think I chose Dante and Beatrice, except for I, this where, like, some research would have come in handy but isn't the deal that he didn't end up with beatrice in life right like he loved beatrice but he wasn't actually with her right
0: right i think so i mean we're gonna get fact checked and angry emails yeah but i mean sorry <laughs> <laughs> but like, this will she's... be fixed in the blog post
1: but he loves beatrice we kind of don't know who beatrice is i think that's like the big a big myth in literary history is like who beatrice is but he loves Beatrice and she's sort of the guiding spirit that kind of leads him through hell. And so I just put that on there partly not only because it's a great love story, but also because it's one of the most influential works in Western literature. So yeah. I figure, you know, we probably wouldn't have a lot of the work that we have now. So it's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thinking.
0: No, I can see that. Yeah.
1: Loomis, who's your, who's your, so I guess that's number 10. What's yours number, number nine?
0: Oh, okay. Um, mine aren't necessarily in any, actually, no, yeah, mine aren't, we can put mine in order. I can work on the fly. Um, so my number nine is, uh, also, you know, one of the great influential works of Western literature, uh, Harry Potter. Uh, oh. no, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you put. Did you put anyone from Harry Potter on the list?
1: I didn't because you... Well, okay. I was thinking of putting Snape and Lily just to annoy you. Just
0: to (laughs) piss me off. Oh my gosh. But I didn't do it. Thank you. I appreciate your friendship. I was also
1: thinking of putting like Hermione and Harry just to kind (gasps) of like be contrarian. I don't like that either. But... You're good
0: at being contrarian though. Yeah.
1: But yeah, go ahead. So So I did James and Lily.
0: James and Lily. um, Just, it's the enemies to friends to lovers trope and just like... Like, yeah, you can rip the trope of Lily slowly realizing that she started calling him James instead of Potter out of my cold, dead hands. Um, it I don't know, it's it's kind of like the, they're all the tropes, right? Like James died for her, like he fell in love immediately. Like just all of the things, you know, he was very annoying and then she told him off and then he was like, oh, I should probably be better. And then became better. Um, and sometimes but I- did he? Yeah, he did. Because he Listen. was still
1: attacking Snape behind her back.
0: Not in not in sixth and seventh year.
1: We don't I'm know, a, though. I
0: meant... Okay. Well, whatever. Again, yeah, we don't know. I've just... I've...
1: Well, actually, no. In the book, in the fifth book, uh, I think either Lupin or Sirius says that he still attacked Snape. He just never let Lily see.
0: Okay. Well, that's fine. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to have to fact check that. I let it slide on your lack of fact checking for Dante and Beatrice, but I will not i just Let read the book and okay. i just went to
1: harry potter world so i think i have like the final say is that
0: where you were did you go to harry potter world this week yeah oh my gosh i oh. thought you were i didn't know this i have okay, the marauder's
1: anyway. map right uh, downstairs <gasps> right now
0: okay well anyway uh sometimes i cry because i'm older i'm like five years older than lily was when she died and oh, shoot. that
1: <laughs> what have either of us done with our lives <laughs> i know right
0: it, it's just kind of like oh man okay like yeah i don't know it's just it's so tragic and it's Like, I feel like the Marauders are just kind of those like literary characters where if you think too deeply about them, it's just really depressing very quickly. Um, And I don't know, I, I kind of like the Marauders era better than I actually like the real Harry Potter era. Um,
1: I guess I just wonder, so you, since you obviously care about the subject, how do you think, like, what's your, what's, how did it work timeline wise that James went from being sort of a douchebag to being someone that Lily would like so much. Like, what's your thoughts on that?
0: I mean, like, part of it is when you grow up with people, sometimes you need to be, like, shaken out of that, like, idea that you still see them as, like, an 11-year-old kid. Um, And, what, like, in the fifth book, when, like, James and Sirius, like, act, like, totally wrecked Snape um, and Lily called him out on it, James was kind of finally like, oh, shoot, like, no, she is actually never going to date me because I'm actually kind of a terrible person. And then, like, changed, right? And, like, just from what we know of Lily, and then we hear Slughorn talk about Lily before, you know, like, she doesn't seem to be this kind of person to, like, date a douchebag. So, like, we kind of have to infer a little bit about James and Lily. Um, But, I mean, also, James tried to hold off Voldemort with, like, his bare hands and no wand. So, like... Was he the smartest guy? Not, not really. But he loved, he loved a lot. And I mean, going back to your episode about love and how JKR uses love as a source of power. um, Yeah, I feel like James James and Lily had a very beautiful love story. I love that
1: meme that you sent (laughs) with the, like the octopus. Well, (laughs) no,
0: it's the, oh my gosh. So Lily says like, what I'd rather date a giant squid And then James is like taking notes and like be more like dangerous sea monster. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's another the other one of those memes where it's like the there's a guy holding a girl's hand and then a girl, another girl walks down the street. And it's like the guy is like checking out the other girl and the girl he's holding hands with is like, what? Um, That's kind of like poor Lily when she starts realizing she likes James and she's like, oh, no. Any, yeah. anyone but him
1: <laughs> you know it's funny hmm. um because people love to romanticize like we've talked about the whole relationship between snape and lily and all that yeah but what's interesting to me and i don't i don't know if you noticed this when you read it but when you read the fifth book and that scene where snape's getting tortured by james basically
0: yeah
1: for this for a second when like james is humiliating snape she has a smile on her face and she has to like force it back what was that about?
0: I think maybe part of it is like Snape wouldn't just go from being best friends with Lily and protecting her all the time to calling her a mudblood. You know, like there would have had to been like little moments where she starts seeing that like, oh, maybe Snape like isn't really a good person. Um, and then I don't know, like fifteen-year-old girls can be just as vicious as fifteen-year-old boys. So to I me,
1: don't know. it that really showed. That she did not have um, like romantic feelings about Snape.
0: We know she didn't. Like, yeah. So I well, mean, that's actually,
1: one of the. JK Rowling said that she could have developed feelings for Snape if he hadn't gone into the dark arts. Yeah. So, it's just interesting to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, they're my number five on my list.
1: I think they're great. It's yeah. <laughs> a great, a great addition to the list.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: <laughs> so okay, let's go to mine. Mm-hmm. Which I have on my phone. He's
0: scrolling on his phone, you guys. Like, I'm very well prepared. I have, like, sticky notes in my book. He's just like...
1: It's all in my head.
0: It's not, because it's on your phone.
1: Okay, yeah, good point. (laughs) And I don't entirely remember um, who I picked. But I'm just going to go with... I actually was torn between King Arthur and Guinevere, and Paris and Helen of Troy. Ooh. But I thought that Paris and Helen of Troy is more of like the archetype, so I think I'll just go with that. Okay, because yeah. that's you know, everybody says like, who are you like, who are you, Helen of Troy or whatever? Yeah. So just for anybody who doesn't know, you probably know this. But basically, Helen of Troy was originally married to one of the Greek kings or kings of Greece and that would be a greek king yeah that
0: would make him a greek king well i mean you
1: could be a greek king and be king somewhere else i guess (laughs) if you're just like ethnically greek (laughs) but i forget his name i used to know his name
0: he's not important obviously yeah
1: but he gets she she gets stolen by paris who is a trojan guy and he takes helen back with him to troy and that is actually what ends up launching this massive invasion from Tro- from greece to troy mm-hmm. gets all the greek kings together under, under agamemnon and they go and invade and like this war lasts for like ever not ever but it lasts a long and time there
0: was a really nice poem written about it
1: yeah <laughs> by my my man homer Here. who was also on the simpsons <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs>
0: He'll edit that out. He won't, but <laughs> I like to pretend.
1: But uh yeah, so I guess the story is very typical of like the competitive nature of love. Yeah. Like how, like if you want to inspire a man to do something or whatever, uh, get a woman involved. And that's sort of like that theme is sort of throughout all of literature.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at my list and that's pretty much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about like what we were just talking about yeah. with like, Snape yeah and james it's the same thing like they're like that drives the whole story so you can see it in great literature you can see it in harry potter so i that's why i put them on my list anyways what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah no i really like it i also as soon as you started throwing out like actual big names i'm just like oh my gosh my next person is like from a young adult book that was written in like 2015 but it's fine um yeah no that you're right though like the the archetype and that's kind of what like draws it on just this just means we're gonna have to have a different podcast where i'm prepared for like the classics because you just asked me my favorite and like you know my mind doesn't really go back more than five years at the moment
1: Well, we'll pretend we'll pretend that that this is the definitive list this is is not you could you could ask
0: us the same question three weeks from now and we would probably have different answers
1: it's a list it's (laughs) a (laughs) list who's your next one
0: um okay so this is from the throne of glass series um oh also like all of this is spoilers i mean unless like
1: yeah if you guys are as we're talking about this we're giving away the entire story just like you know there is a horse it goes to troy the trojans (laughs) fall there's a lot of spoilers (laughs) here (laughs) harry potter is a (laughs) horcrux
0: so is the snake it's fine yeah uh, okay, yeah, so it's uh, Aelin and Rowan from the Throne of Glass series. Um, shout out to Rekina Baratsky, um, who I talk about all the time. Um, but she really got me involved in this book series, and I've never been the same since. Um, again, it's kind of like enemies to friends to lovers. And like, okay, they they weren't really enemies. They just didn't communicate very well at the beginning. Um, and just kind of the main gist of the story is that like Aelin is a lost princess, and you know, kind of that like... Um, I think the uh, Sarah J. Maas who wrote the book kind of said like she was inspired by Cinderella and then she started writing this kind of fantasy series and then it just took off and went in a completely different direction. Um, but it's amazing. Um, but so Aelin is is this lost princess who needs to, you know, go and win her throne. Um, and she goes through a lot of trauma. And um, after she meets Rowan and they become friends, they actually like complement each other very, very well. Um, and he's just, he's there for her while she like unfolds her story and isn't afraid to help her heal through her trauma. Um, but yeah, like the, the big thing is like they improve themselves together, which is kind of all of my common themes throughout my favorite, like literary couples. It's like, they're working with each other to improve each other. Um, and yeah, that's just awesome. Also, they're a power couple. Like both of them are like insanely magical and like alien's power is fire and rowan's power is ice so you have the whole like opposites attract kind of thing Ooh, um that
1: reminds me of something oh no first of all how many books are in this series Seven. Oh shoot because i kind of want to read it i cool. have
0: them in my garage if you want them
1: okay but, but you have
0: to read them before i move so
1: i can probably read like one or two they're
0: they're <laughs> they're awesome okay rowan doesn't show up until book three though
1: Sorry, we're just passing wine back and forth. He
0: has this little <laughs> bird thing on top that makes chirping noises as it aerates it.
1: Yeah, you probably heard that when I was pouring it. <laughs>
0: just tell <to> like- <laughs> you, it's so weird, guys.
1: But, oh um, yeah, I can totally hear that in the recording. That's fine, that's awesome. You'll edit it out uh, yeah. eventually. We're going to be sponsored by Chirp Chirpy. Uh, what is uh, it? Called? I think it's called Chirp Chirpy. I think it's all trippy.
0: Why are, I have no idea. Why are you Tirpy, looking at me like I know?
1: The way to aerate your wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can come up with a better time in the show We'll notes. work on that. We'll work on that. Um,
1: but yeah, so that actually reminds me. This is, this is somebody I wanted to put on the list, but because we're doing literature couples, I didn't. But like, I'm a big Zutara fan. I was
0: going to put Zutara on the list, but we're not <laughs> doing TV shows, Joseph. But
1: they're the same way. Like, they it's, improve it's, each other. You yeah.
0: Know? And again, the whole fire and water thing. I mean, it's even, oh my God, it's fine. We'll do a whole nother episode on Zutara later. So
1: much untapped potential. Anyway. Okay, let's okay. move on to my next one. So
0: that was my, yeah, that was my number, I, whatever. That was my number four, so number seven.
1: Okay, so I'm on number seven. So for me, this is kind of a kind of a trippy one. Probably not somebody you'd think of, but I put The Great Gatsby and Daisy.
0: Oh, Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> just oh man
1: i'm a big fan of the great gatsby it's one of my favorite books probably one of the one of the books that inspired me to go into writing in the first place i still remember reading it at the coffee shop downtown and reading a little bit of it in my parents backyard back when i was a kid and i loved that book i also really yeah. liked the movie too but i think that The reason I put Gatsby and Daisy on the list is it's kind of like the modern inversion of a love story, which they have like he it's he's the like the knight errant. Right. Yeah. And he's like, well, I actually don't know what a knight errant is, but he's like the white knight. And he's like. Coming to save the woman. He's uh, gone off on his epic quest, kind of like the Odyssey almost. And he's gone off. He's made all this He's money. made all the money. Yep. He's come back. He's now part of like America's royalty in terms of like he's part of the Nueva rich and uh, the New Rich. And he Nuevo come... Rich. Nuevo Reach. Yeah. What'd I say?
0: <laughs> Nueve or something? That's
1: Spanish. That's why I yeah. said that. Nueve, <laughs> Nueve York. <laughs> yeah. New Rich. I should have left it at that. Uh. <laughs> See, I can edit out the things I don't want in here. Oh, unfair. <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Yeah, so he comes back, but the hitch of the story is is that Daisy ends up sort of... It doesn't work out. What it you, doesn't. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I have lots of thoughts. Um, Also, though, when you mentioned the movie, the first thing that popped into my head was like, it was hard to watch that movie because it's like Leonardo DiCaprio and the girl from... Uh, uh, the Doctor Who episode. Emily with, Mulligan? No, no, no. The um, It's Carrie. What's her name? Carrie Mulligan?
1: Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. What I call her? Emily Mulligan. Emily
0: Mulligan. Okay. I think you're confusing Emily Blunt. With whatever.
1: That was my Mulligan.
0: <laughs> I was like, well, we showed up to the theaters and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, the girl from the blank episode of Doctor Who and Spider-Man. So it was like really hard to pay attention, but it's fine. Um,
1: but nobody cries like Tobey Maguire. You're...
0: I'm not going to say you're right because I don't <laughs> think you are. Um, no, I. it is really interesting. I. Oh my gosh, there's so many feelings. The the thing where he like hears the phone ring and then gets shot, but he thinks Daisy's calling him to come with him, but it's not Daisy. It's like...
1: Okay, I have a question for yeah. you. Because this is something I've thought about and I've never really come to a conclusion about it. Okay. Why doesn't Daisy go with Gatsby in the end? After he's, he put it all on the line. He because, has the money.
0: Because security is more important than love sometimes. But Joe. he has
1: security. He has money.
0: Well, but she doesn't really know that. I mean, she knows he's throwing these extravagant parties. And she knows that he's, like, doing all this. But she also knows that he just made his money recently. And, like, kind of in the era, it was still, like, what, the 20s? It was still you wanted to have someone who had family money versus someone who made their money recently because I mean they could lose it probably just as quickly um also it was the, the 20s so you also have to remember like if she did divorce her husband like she would never see her child again so like it was also she yeah she wasn't in love with her husband and he wasn't a very good man but like she had the security she had the money she had her children like I, think, I don't know. I guess
1: I guess to me, the only thing that makes sense about it is that she is not the person that Daisy made her to be in I'm sorry the Gatsby. That made Gatsby her. I mean, that's made also one of head. the themes,
0: right? It's yeah. like Gatsby's in love with this woman that only exists in his head. And like Daisy is not that woman. And Gatsby doesn't take that into account. He just automatically thinks that, oh, I love her, so she's going to be with me instead of taking a step back and being like, okay, but I don't know her anymore.
1: Yeah, it's almost like like he's the great hero from the old stories. Yeah, and but Fitzgerald's saying is modern America isn't those great stories. Like yep. Daisy's Daisy's not going to go with you. And then uh, one in the yeah, book, you don't just
0: get the girl because you're in love with her. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and in the book, this is left out of the movie, but in the book, the main character I forget his name now, but uh, is it Nick? Yeah, Nick. Thank yeah. you. He ends up running into daisy and her actual husband like on the street somewhere yeah and they're just so unemotionally involved in that whole thing that happened yeah which makes you just realize that they were nothing like gatsby gatsby was like this star that burned bright and died out yeah and they were just kind of like normal americans who just were looking out for themselves yeah so
0: yeah i like it though interesting
1: moral of the story choose who you fall in love with carefully kids or
0: like get to know them and then communicate well <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, there's some yeah, other options yeah. there all right who's next on your on your um listeners? okay
0: i'm jumping around because now that we're actually doing them in order i'm gonna do them in order um but claire beecham and jamie fraser from the outlander series Ooh,
1: that's a popular series i know I've never read it or watched the show so tell okay me about if it. you're
0: gonna watch the show it's on stars which means you have to like fast forward through a lot of sex scenes Yes the books are better than the TV show. No, I don't take criticism. So it's time travel, it's historical, it's like love at first sight for Jamie but like complete cluelessness for Claire and then it's 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 an arranged marriage trope where they eventually fall in love and I don't know, I dig it. Like through like you actually like Diana Gabaldon does a really good job of like actually talking about like their issues with communication and like actually learning how to fall in love with the person you're married with but um like they're really good at respecting each other's needs in a relationship like jamie's supposed to be from the 1700s but like he's very modern and like you could totally tell it's wish fulfillment but also just go with it um jamie's also super catholic which is really cool but i mean then he joins the freemasons when he's in an english prison but that's fine so i have a question yeah i have an answer
1: <laughs> because this is what kept me from continuing to watch the show Because actually i think it was on netflix or is uh, there... season
0: one and season two are on netflix yeah. okay
1: so I was watching it briefly with like my wife, but the thing that really turned me off right away was that she's married and I could see that where this was going, that he, she was going to fall in love with this other guy. So yeah. like, what's the deal with that?
0: Yeah. So like in the books, they make it a lot more clear. And obviously like the books are huge. Like you look at them, they're very, very thick. And so you get like Claire's kind of stream of consciousness the entire time. Um, and so part of it was that the reason she married Jamie was because this, like, bad, evil Englishman dun, 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 was after her. And so, like, she was literally going to be killed unless she married Jamie, like, in 24 hours. And because it's the 1700s, they don't have cars. So they can't, like, get to the place for her to time travel back in time fast enough. And the English were going to come kill her. And so they were like, all right. She, she basically was like, all right, I have to get married. And then whatever. Because technically her husband isn't alive. So, like, she actually, in the book, in the end of the first book, she actually talks to a priest about this. Like, she goes to confession and she's like, hey, father, don't burn me at the stake. I'm not a witch. This is what's happening. And the priest is literally like, well, you have no guarantee that even if you went to the stones, you'd be able to get back into your time. you Like, you made decisions that you had to in the time. And he was like, your husband's not alive, so you're not technically married. Like, it it was a whole thing. And they explained it. Yeah, no, I was thinking that too, and I was like, normally I'm not really a fan See, of these stories. I still stories. don't like
1: it, and you know the reason is just because this whole like thing of like, oh, my husband's kind of. I just said that like I was like. Scottish or something. My husband.
0: My husband. <laughs> my husband. Getting it. Uh, the story does take place in Scotland. For and again, like I've
1: not read it, I've not seen it, so nothing I say really means that much. But just this <laughs> idea that, like, oh, my husband's kind of boring. Well, and but so the thing is, like, other more interesting. He's guy. not boring
0: in the books. Oh, like that's not. the thing. Like he's not boring in the books. Like they are in love in the books. It also kind of talks about, like, in the books, how like he, like her husband Frank, definitely cheated on her during World War Two, mm. and like they kind of talk about that. But also, they make it very clear that like Claire doesn't really have any other options. They don't do a very good job at that in the movie or in the TV show. Um, but okay, suspension of disbelief, Joe. A little bit. Come on. I, <laughs> I love can't how do it's. It. <laughs> I love how it's not the I touched a random rock in Scotland and now I'm back two hundred years. It's the technically you're still married, but she's not because she's in a different time. So it's fine. Anyway. It's okay. um, I still can't do it. Can't but do it. it's okay
1: because I haven't read it. <laughs>
0: it's fine. I mean, the other thing is like, like yeah, it's it's great. Again, the books are better than the TV series. You can email me and we can talk about it later.
1: Okay, so moving on. And I don't know if you know you probably don't know this at all, so I'll just like We're
0: gonna see. I'm really good at making stuff up, so continue. I kinda
1: threw this one on here just because I read it recently and it's also not on a lot of lists Ooh. of like best romances. Okay. Um but have you read *Farewell to Arms* by Ernest Hemingway?
0: Um, I love Ernest Ernest Hemingway as a man, but I can't stand him as an author. <laughs> <laughs> like I love, I love the, him I, as a man I, and lo- as an author, <laughs> and as
1: a fisherman I and anything else he damn well chooses to do. I can't
0: stand his prose. I can't do it. I like he's such an interesting character, and he like as a person, and like I would love to get into reading mm. him. But I've tried to read *Farewell to, Ar- Farewell to Arms*, and I cannot do it. So,
1: so it's interesting because I tried to read Farrell to Arms several times, yeah, before I ever read it. And I like his writing style, but okay. still, the beginning of that book is just like, what maybe
0: heck? I'll maybe I'll try again because there's a couple of books like that when you read when you're kind of younger, younger, when you read when you're like under 24, and then you read them later and you're like, oh, just kidding, I can my prefrontal lobe is fully developed, so I can now.
1: No, that's what happened to me. Too. I know, no, it's a thing, it's a thing, for yeah, sure. Like, I definitely could not. That was me with book. Austin.
0: You yeah. can't, can't read them in high school, and then you're in love with it after high school. It's it's all about prefrontal lobe development. Yeah, and I'm
1: 27, so I'm finally developed. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, Farewell to Arms, yeah, Hemingway. So I, because you haven't read it, and it's such a great book, I won't give away any spoilers. Okay. But there is a couple in there who fall in love.
0: Wait, no, no, because um, it's the ambulance driver, right? The main yeah. character drives an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Kind of like what Hemingway did. But yeah. It's not, it's somewhat autobiographical because given like, you know, he was a guy, American guy in the Italian army. But he like he,
0: spiced it up.
1: Wait, yeah, definitely okay, spiced yeah. up. He, there, events happened that he wasn't present for in real life. Okay. But the love story in that book absolutely blew me away. And that's what kept me reading.
0: Okay. And just yeah.
1: the, actually the scope and the epicness of that story. Yeah. Like you feel like you're watching a movie. Okay. Like,
0: I'll definitely try and, and reread it.
1: Yeah, or so, try
0: again to read it, yeah.
1: There's definitely a lot of... I, I've, I've read briefly. I was reading like one schmoop or whatever about it. <laughs> I guess there's like a lot of feminists like... Hemingway, I'm sure is like critiqued by feminists a lot. But I guess some feminists can't decide... Or the, the feminists at large can't decide whether or not the woman in the story that he falls in love with is like... Shows that he hates women or shows that he loves women. Some people say this is like him actually f- showing a book warm feelings towards a woman other people say oh no she, she was ridiculous or whatever but i thought the love story was entirely convincing okay yeah. and it really kept me gripped in it i think i was reading it and then one saturday morning i closed my door and just finished the whole thing yeah. and it was pretty freaking crazy but i won't give okay. away the ending so no, they're yeah. on my list as well i mean
0: i'm taking a huge road trip this summer so i'm definitely looking for book recommendations i'm
1: gonna read it as an audiobook and then send it to you hey
0: mom we're gonna listen to my buddy joe read us um, a farewell to arms and my mom's I mean, gonna my I mom i love you oh my gosh <laughs> only if you i will only listen to it if you use that voice
1: that definitely sounds like a uh, nightmare fuel so anyways <laughs> <laughs> moving on Limit your next. oh my gosh okay
0: my my number two out of my five is finally i seem cultured But Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy Mm. from Pride and Prejudice.
1: This one we can go on about for a little while.
0: Yes. Okay. So it's the whole enemies to friends to lovers again. Like, okay, I have a type, guys. It's fine. Um, But I I was talking to one of my friends about this and she said, like, I don't know what it's it's like about Pride and Prejudice that, you know, is so appealing, but maybe it's the fact that it's a fantasy of telling a man he's self-centered and arrogant and he believes it and changes for the better. Um, But, like, kind of joke aside, but, like... Again, they do make each other better. Like, at the beginning of the book, Lizzie totally misjudges both Wickham and Darcy's character just based on how they act towards her. Like, so she is incredibly prejudiced, but she is incredibly intelligent as well, like all of Austen's heroines. Um, And she does not like to change her mind because she makes up her mind and she goes with it. Um, And she refuses to change due to, like, her stubbornness and pride. Um, But, but... She is completely correct in predicting that Lydia is going down a very dangerous path. um, And she's correct in knowing that Jane and Bingley actually care for each other very deeply. Darcy is utterly misguided when it comes to assessing Jane's feelings for Bingley, like at all. Um, But we can't really blame him because Bingley is kind of rich. And we know that Darcy like wants to look out for his buddy. And like Jane isn't really showing very much public emotion other than like that which her sister can pick up. Um, but he is very like reserved and rigid and he is proud, but like Charlotte Lucas in the book actually picks up on this. Um, and she's like, Darcy has a reason to be proud. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, but Darcy is right about maintaining that actions reflect a person's character better than like charming mannerisms ever could. And he gets an exactly like perfect reading on Lizzie and Bingley as like good people that, you know, he wants to build his life around. I mean, he also knows that Bingley's sisters are awful. (laughs) And he doesn't want to hang out with them any more than he has to. Um, But by the end of the book, like, Lizzie has learned not to be so quick to criticize before actually knowing someone and, like, actually learning about a situation besides just how she feels. And Darcy has worked to become, like, less snobby and less prideful, um and more of an open person and i mean kind of like we what we talked about before like everybody knows about lizzie bennett and mr darcy you know like they've significantly impacted the culture in the english-speaking language and outside of the english-speaking world uh, and it's amazing um and just the fact that like at jane austen's time not like women in novels were supposed to be perfect like they were supposed to be these ideals for other women to look up to and elizabeth bennett is not perfect no matter what you know mainstream culture wants us to think of her um but yeah she's still a fantastic character and her and mr darcy's love story is just epic so
1: and i totally agree with you that definitely belongs high up on this list you have you have one above them right? i have one above
0: bu- 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 yes i have one Looking above hearing them. That
1: one. i think i read it when loomis sent me this like list already but you I've already forgotten. know who it
0: is oh you have forgotten i have forgotten okay <laughs> but-, but yeah so what do you think about um Lizzie Bennet and Mr. Darcy.
1: So I'm going to tell you something. Okay. <clears throat> and because Pride and Prejudice, I remember I read this. I don't remember how old I was. I was probably late teens, I would assume.
0: Oh, you got to reread it with a full frontal look. <laughs> no, but I
1: loved it. Oh, really? No, like when I finished that's awesome. it. When I finished it, I was like, I'm never going to read another book that's that good again. Yeah. You know how you get that feeling sometimes when you read a really good book?
0: Yeah. Pride and Prejudice is like one of the few books I wish I could erase from my memory so I could like read it again. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's a really good one, but I'm gonna be honest when looking back on it, I loved Elizabeth mm-hmm. and I even though I'm a dude, like I related to her. yeah, and I thought she was awesome. Like I love her in the story. I love her in the movie that I saw um, with Karen Knightley. I haven't seen the the BBC one. but I just don't really have a strong feeling for Darcy. Like, I don't really, maybe it's because I'm a dude, but I don't really feel like, like, I don't feel like I want to go hunting with Darcy. I don't feel like I want to hang out with Daisy. Darcy. Daisy.
0: Daisy. <laughs> Daisy. Well, that's, Anyways. that's the thing, though. Like, like, part of it is that he Sorry. needs more wine. <laughs> um, part of it is that, you like. More this? Sure. Just, whatever. Um, the bird, okay, the bird is going to chirp again. Okay. <laughs> You're good, you're good. Okay, I mean, part of it is that, like, Lizzie and Darcy are so different, but they're complementary. Like, they're different in personality, but they're the exact same in how they think, which is is mm. very important in, like, couples. Um, But so, Mr. Darcy can, like, teach Elizabeth how to not be so feelings-focused, you know? And, like, both of them react with anger when, like, they're... Like both of them react with anger when they're like being challenged. And so that's something that's interesting. Um, But the other thing is we don't like Jane Austen doesn't really give us a lot of Mr. Darcy from anyone else's eyes except for Lizzie. And like if you actually read the book, I think Charlotte Lucas is actually the most neutral narrator, like of kind of of Pride and Prejudice. Um, But I mean, Darcy is not really, I don't know. Like they even talk about it. Like there's a whole like three paragraphs where Austin discusses how Darcy and Bingley became friends um, and how Bingley is really good for Darcy and how Darcy is good for Bingley. But um, we, after that scene, we don't really get a lot of how Darcy would be a good friend to other men. So like, I mean, it is a romance novel, you know, but it's, you know, that might be kind of why. But um, yeah. It's
1: interesting. And i I think that part of me, and I think I need to go back and read it. Because I know, like, in when you read the book, like, when you just realize, like, the good in Darcy, it's a very powerful moment. Yeah. When you realize that he actually does have this good side. But I just, looking back on it from having not read it recently, but still knowing the story pretty well, I still kind of feel a little bad for Elizabeth ending, um, ending up with that guy. Like, I know if, like... Darcy's like a lot of women's like dream heartthrob dude. But for me, it's like Elizabeth is a really interesting person. She has all these interesting thoughts. And then Darcy's just kind of like quiet and morose. Yeah, no, I'd know? encourage
0: you to reread the books because. When you read it, like, he doesn't talk to anybody except for Bingley and Lizzie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when he talks to them, he's intelligent and clever and he uses succinct language. Yeah. And he shows that he knows what he's talking about. The movie does not do this very well. Yeah. Like, with, like Matthew McFadden is is a great Darcy, you know, like, whatever. But <laughs> in the in the books, he does come off a lot more prideful but whenever he's like speaking to elizabeth after he realizes like oh shoot i'm in love with her he he is very interesting and he's trying to engage her in conversation but the problem is she's already made up her mind that he's terrible Mm, so So she's she's, got some issues so she has issues that she needs to work on and they work on them together um but you know how we talk about like tolkien kind of has this thing where he does like he tells he doesn't show jane austen is very similar so like If, if you're like me, like I have this really bad habit of like skimming books and only reading dialogue, you miss a lot. So like Jane Austen in like paragraph form, will just insert a sentence that changes the whole thing. If you haven't, if you're not reading it carefully, um, which like you might've missed it or, you know, maybe Mr. Darcy is horrible and I'm just completely misreading this entire thing. I definitely don't think
1: he's horrible. I just kind of was being a little contrarian because again, when I read it, I loved it. It didn't fill me with anything like negative. I just kind of was like, mm, this is my only problem with it.
0: Well, also, um, Jane Austen does, I take this back. Jane Austen does do a little bit of show, not tell. But um, Darcy throws in a lot of literary references. So, like, he is well-read. You know, like a gentleman of the time would be. Um, like, yeah. But I don't know. That's also a thing. I don't know. Also, what makes
1: him so, I know we're spending a lot of time on this. but It's
0: fine. He's amazing. <laughs> I mean, sorry. What makes him so,
1: like, decisive? <laughs> about people's character that he feels like he can just he he knows you you're not good you're in this kettle of fish not in that kettle of fish like why is he like that that's such a weird personality trait
0: it is a weird personality trait but part of it i i think it's because he's rich like because he lost his parents at like somewhat of a young age he needed to have that like shrewd business mind to be able to look at a person and say you're scamming me i'm not gonna have anything to do with you or You are someone I can trust. We're going to work together. You know, like, again, this is pre-Google. Like, you can't just, like, (laughs) look up your lawyer online. You know, it's like you have to be able to decide almost instantly whether you trust someone or not. Um, But he does, he learns very early on that that is something that he actually needs to work on. Because he does not like Elizabeth Bennet when they first meet. And then he realizes, like, oh, she's funny. And she's pretty. Oh, he doesn't like her? Oh, no. He does not like her. Yeah. So after Meriton Town Hall, he he doesn't like her. And then he sees her again, like, at the end of the ball. And he's like, okay, she's not as ugly as I thought. (laughs) She's pretty. Uh, She's vivacious. Like, she's funny. And he kind of sees her and he's like, all right, I need that in my life. Like, I need to be able to laugh. I need to be able to have that fun. That would be a really good balance for me. I like her. And then it kind of goes downhill for everybody until, you know, the very end of the book, but it's fine.
1: It's interesting, too, because I know my my wife made me watch, like, Death at Pemberley or something. Mm. And one thing I will say.
0: We watched that because I made them watch the first two episodes at my birthday party last year. So you're (laughs) welcome, Joseph.
1: So again, another problem I had with that is they did not do Elizabeth justice in my mind. She was not nearly as interesting as she was in the books. I kind of felt like it was from the point of view of the female again, like Death Comes
0: to Pemberley is fan fiction, and you watch the series and you didn't read the book. Or is it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is fan fiction. It's written it by Petey. It's written Jane by PD oh. James. Um, no, but it's it's it is interesting. Like Death Comes to Pemberley is interesting because it does show that like oh Lizzie like went from like a low gentleman's daughter to like. So I a do actually lady.
1: like Darcy better in the Death at Pember- okay, Comes to Pemberley. Okay, okay. This
0: is my thing. The Death Com- Darcy and Death Comes to Pemberley is the most accurate Darcy I've seen portrayed on He's film. Good. He's like. Good. What's his name? Uh uh he's the dude Reece in Davies. Mr. Um, Rogers' movie. He's also in uh Perry Mason, he's also in The Americans, he's in a whole bunch of stuff. Um Yeah, but that is the most like his character is the most like accurate Darcy I've seen on film. Yeah. Um sorry, Colin Firth. It's fine. But yeah, <laughs> so that's
1: but so i was gonna say one thing that's really cool that ties in with what you're saying Mm -hmm. is that you get the feeling that his relationship with the dude who married lydia what's his name
0: wickham wickham okay but also like i love matthew goody but it's fine
1: is that the actor yeah okay but you get the feeling that um their relationship was a lot more intense than you than i figured and you kind of get that idea that he still felt a lot of pain about that relationship. Oh, yeah. But
0: remember, because Jane Austen wrote in the early 1800s, no one's allowed to show any outward emotion, Joe.
1: Right. Well, men still aren't supposed to have emotions unless their like love interest dies. It's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> you. You're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, that's another podcast. <laughs>
1: okay. Moving on. I guess it's my turn. I think this is my final it's one. It's your turn. Right? It's your final one. Okay. okay. So this is my final one. This is kind of funny. This ended up... Be number one, but I love this play, and I don't know if you know it, but Cyrano de Bergerac (gasps) and Roxanne. Are you a fan? Yes! Oh, Oh, you are! Oh my
0: gosh, yeah, we had to watch it in French class in high school, and I like, oh, amazing. Continue, tell me, tell me one. This
1: is one of my first literary influences for sure, and Mm. I, for some reason, always really identified with Cyrano, even though my nose is proportionate. I was gonna say! (laughs) (laughs) But something about him... I guess, like, the fact that it's he's, the old
0: like, soul, Joe. Yeah. It's his old soul. And I
1: love that thing he says about how he wears his ribbons on his soul, you know? Yeah. And, like, he's poetic and he's, like, daring, but he still is so afraid of himself. Yep. Like, he's he feels like he's an imposter.
0: Yeah. Com- well, and then he's completely afraid of rejection that he can't even accept his... his like, he cannot accept his real self. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's even rejecting himself and so he's like no one else can accept me because i don't accept me but
1: yeah and it doesn't end very happily
0: no it it, it doesn't it's the french
1: <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> but you know so basically for you guys don't, who, who don't know about sonar de bergerac without giving away the ending he's basically this l- rather well-nosed fellow well-nosed. Uh, and he loves like, I guess she's like his cousin of some sort, but not in the Alabama way, in the French way, so that's okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, he loves her, and he's like this master swordsman. Like, nobody can beat this guy. Like, a yeah. hundred people can't beat this guy. Yeah. And yet, he's still insecure when it comes to, like, the woman he loves. So, anyways, she falls in love with this handsome guy who's just a total idiot.
0: What's his name? I Christian? Forget. Christian. Christian. Oh, yeah. And he's like handsome. He is.
1: And he's a hero. He's brave.
0: He's handsome, but he's not smart. He's an idiot. (laughs) Nothing going on up
1: there. And whereas Cyrano's just like a phenomenal writer. His plays are published, all this stuff. And so Cyrano decides that he's going to help Cyrano. I'm sorry. Christian. He's going to help Christian. Christian uh, win over Roxanne. And then there's some scenes where Cyrano himself actually is wooing Roxanne, pretending to be Christian, Christian yeah. so it's a pretty amazing uh, story. Honestly, kind of, I feel like a lot of it kind of relates to real life quite a bit. I just had a realization, which is
0: Joe's having an epiphany. Uh,
1: <laughs> Darcy's kind of like the inverse of Cyrano, because Cyrano is this amazing guy who cannot get past his flaw, whereas Darcy mm-hmm. cannot see his flaw.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Yeah, and it takes a woman for both of them to like figure that out what a shock we're not called the crown of creation for nothing um <laughs> no but that's actually that no that's a really good point yeah darcy thinks he's perfect until like he runs into lizzie like a brick wall and he's like oh shit and then cyrano again is also kind of like will not come out of a shell until he meets roxanne and he's like i need to do something even if it's just pretending to be christian so
1: and i will i want to talk about the ending but i'm not going we're to. not going to talk about the ending no spoiler for cyrano Anyways, is that... We're giving
0: spoilers for everybody else, but not for (laughs) Hemingway (laughs) and not for Cyrano.
1: Not not the stories Joe really wants you to read. But
0: my stories. He's making me tell. Actually, no, I I didn't didn't give the the Throne of Glass spoilers. And then, I mean, if you're spoiled by my thing of Pride and Prejudice, then that's not my fault. You have a problem. You need to go to school. You need to go to school?
1: You need to learn to code. We
0: read the book.
1: (laughs) Okay, you're, yeah. you have one last one. I have one last one. So we're going to end on Loomis's final note. Okay. Again, before we get to that, if you love this show, make sure to subscribe. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to give us a rating. Giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts especially helps other listeners like you find this show. So you're really just helping the world out by giving us a good review. Anywho, moving on, Loomis. Um, the I was last waiting one. for you to say
0: like if you also love the sound of my voice. I am also doing a podcast. Yes. Um, called Hearts ablaze. It airs April 29th Is our very first episode. So get ready for that. Um, I'm
1: personally really looking forward to it. I was actually googling it in my well, not we, it.
0: we don't have anything up yet because mary's husband evan hasn't figured it out yet
1: <laughs> i was looking for an apple podcast just to see if like you guys had a page yet but no anyway. not yet we're working really on looking forward it. to it yeah it's a blaze
0: we have to get my friend's husband to fix it um okay my final one is baron and luthien from Ooh, the okay, simarillion yeah you prefer. know i brought the simarillion with me i was like <laughs> he's lying he knows who i'm talking about. i forgot briefly he did um, okay. So, wow. It's love at first sight and not enemies to lovers for once on my list. Amazing. Um, but it's, it's fantastic and I'm going to spoil it because it's fine. But, um, it it's part of the Silmarillion, and in the letter to Milton, Tolkien actually says this. Um, Here in the story of Baron and Luthien, among other things, we meet the first example of the motive that the great politics of the world history, the wheels of the world, as it were, are often turned not by the lords and governors, not even gods, but by the seemingly unknown and the weak. It is Baron, the outlawed mortal, who succeeds with the help of Luthien, where all the armies and warriors have failed. He penetrates the stronghold of the enemy and wrests one of the Cimmerili from the Iron Crown. Thus, he wins the hand of Luthien, and the first marriage of mortal and immortal is achieved. As such, the story is uh, her- a heroic fairy romance, receivable in itself with only a very general, vague knowledge of the background but it is also a fundamental link in the cycle deprived of its full significance out of place out of its place therein and then he goes on to talk about how like Baron and luthien is like the keystone for the silmarillion it's the most important story of the first age and therefore one of the most important stories in the third age where the lord of the rings actually takes place um but yeah, basically, the story is Baron sees Luthien in the forest once after a super traumatizing experience of just slaughtering a whole bunch of orcs that killed his father and then having to go through a desert and almost dying. But Baron's like, yep, that's it. I'm in love. <laughs> and then Baron shows up, and well, and then Luthien's father is like, no, you're not allowed to marry my daughter unless you get a Cimarill, which, anyway. Uh, and then Baron literally shows up, he he like rocks up to his buddies and he's like, all right, who wants to go on a a suicide mission with me to get the woman I love? And they're all like, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Why not? Um, and so like, I don't know. The best way to explain this is this story is like Rapunzel, if Rapunzel is locked in a tower by her own father and then she cuts her hair, climbs down and then turns her hair into an enchanted sleeping cloak and then befriends a super strong dog friend, uh, and then turns into a vampire bat to, like, rescue the love of her life from Sauron, who then dies and then comes back to life and then dies again. And then, yeah, it's wild. I don't know. It's it's such a crazy story. It gives so much weight to the world of Middle-earth, and then it gives so much weight to Aragorn and Arwen's story as well. Um, but Joe hasn't read The Silmarillion still so he has no idea what I'm talking about
1: all I'm thinking about is when you talk about the Simarils, it sounds like the Dragon Balls from Dragon Ball Z that is
0: not I mean okay they're glowing so if that's similar what are,
1: what's the power of the Simarils?
0: uh that's the, you need to read the book entitled The Simmerilian no so okay so the power of the Simarils is because the light from the trees of Valinor were captured in the Simarils, and then a giant spider ate the trees and then so the trees so did are that gone. with her
1: eyes closed that's pretty impressive <laughs>
0: Joe's outing me as a nerd. It's fine. <laughs> um, anyway, if you're more, if you're interested in the story of Baron and Luthien, read the chapter of Baron and Luthien in The Silmarillion, and then go listen to the Prancing Pony podcast, episodes 31, 32, and 33. Um, but really, it's just the story that, like, Luthien is, like, an elf. And, like, this is the first marriage of immortal and mortal in middle earth so like luthien gives up her immortality for baron and she's the first one to do so and it's super romantic it is and and it's very interesting because like the rest of the simon is very like highbrow, like far off view like it's very uh, like a bird's eye view of what's going on but the story of baron and luthien is very like on the ground you really get to know these characters and tolkien really talks about how important their love is literally for everything else that happens in the rest of Middle-earth. Um, and it is the touchstone. It's the center of like the entire story of Middle-earth, all of the Lord of the Rings, all of the Cimmerllian. So much so that uh, John had Baron and Luthien written on him and Edith's tombstones. As we talked about last As time. As we talked about last time, <laughs> which is really sweet. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that, Joe? Since you haven't read it, but like <laughs> just from me blabbering, what do you think?
1: So I a couple of thoughts came to my head. First of all, for some reason I thought of the Dragon Ball. But Dragon Ball just brings people back to life. I don't know what Cimrelean does or Summerle does. But another thing that one thought, and this isn't fully formed, but this idea that the the elf maiden Mm -hmm. gives up her immortality for the man. Yeah. It kind of seems almost like Christian theology about what happens when a woman decides to be with a man. I don't know if that's talk more. Yeah, I don't know if that's like at all like what he was thinking, but it's sort of like the like if you think about it, people are these sort of eternal creatures and they're choosing to have this earthly relationship with each other that doesn't keep going after they die. Right. So I don't know. It's almost like he's showing his view of how he sees women through his Catholicism. Yeah. That was a bit progressive for the time because Yeah,
0: I mean, Luthien like Luthien's story is very progressive. There's we talked about feminists earlier. There's there's a, a whole bunch of people who hate Tolkien for his treatment of women and it just it's very like disheartening to me because they obviously haven't read this story like baron and luthien save each other over and over and over and over in this story it's like it's not that baron is the one who shows up on a white horse to save luthien like they do it together um and it's it's this idea that like you need to support each other in a relationship and again yeah tolkien wrote this like in the trenches of world war one is when this story started um and so i have one thought yeah incredibly progressive yeah
1: So how do you think this ties in with the fact that it's pretty somewhat documented that... uh, I'll say Rowling.
0: Rowling. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. He's had too much wine from the bird. (laughs) I've also was
1: just at Harry Potter land (laughs) having too much butterbeer. But uh, Tolkien and his wife had a lot of problems in their marriage. Not like horrible problems, but there was always like some tension there. Yeah. So how do you make sense of like he has this epic love story... He, he prescribes it to him and his wife. And yet in his life, he seems to have never been able to fully connect with his wife the way he did with his buddies.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is like connecting like men and women connecting is different than men and men or women and women. Um, but part of that, like maybe some of that tension was because him and his wife were like too similar or like too different. Like, we talk about, like, opposites attract, but part of that issue with, like, being opposites and being attracted to each other is that it's going to be difficult to communicate or it's going to be difficult to have, like, an easy transition into certain aspects of your life. Um, And then also, like, men and women are just different. And we speak differently and we talk differently and we react to things differently. Um, And also, we're getting all of that kind of either from – I don't know, maybe some of his letters, but then also like secondhand information. So we don't actually know what his marriage was like because we like weren't there to talk to him about it.
1: It's true. It's true. We shouldn't like speculate on it on too much, but I kind of wonder if, to me it seems a little sad because yeah. they obviously had this beautiful romance at the beginning of the relationship. Yeah. Like he talks about how he laid his degree at her feet, kind of like a knight would have laid his sword like so romantic. or oh something gosh. like that. But it's almost like, Once he, the knight won the woman, won the maiden, he no longer knew what to do. And part of that, I think, might be because she never got an education. She never went Mm, and studied.
0: Yeah. So, well, we talk about like that, maybe that intellect wasn't there.
1: Well, it might not be intellect. Yeah. Maybe she just didn't go and study. Maybe if she had gone and studied, maybe if things, maybe or if they she had she couldn't
0: it... because of the, like, it was difficult for women to get education. Exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting at. The, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, maybe if they've been dur- alive during modern times. Or even where... 20 years later. Yeah. Right? Like, when it's like they could have been peers as yeah. well as this romantic relationship. Um,
0: Like uh, C.S. Lewis and what was his wife's name? Joy. Mm. Yeah.
1: You yeah. know
0: about them? Their love story is like, I don't actually... gorgeous. Okay. Never mind. That's another podcast. John,
1: John Adams and his wife. I know that's. That is
0: beyond the scope of this podcast. Um,
1: Anywho, no, I feel like yeah. that would have been nice if they could have connected on that level too. Yeah,
0: on an intellectual level, um, and that is really interesting because I feel like a lot of like looking at a lot of Tolkien's like like romantic relationships, they're not equal intellectually. Like we look at um or or they are, but it's like different. Right, like, the elves are smart, but it's, like, a different kind of smart. But, like, we look at, like, Faramir and Eowyn, right? Like, like the men of Gondor were, like, the nerds. Like, mm. they were, like, super good at fighting, but they were also, like, the keepers of knowledge, and they were really nerdy. Whereas, like, Ro- like, Rohan, they didn't really have books. They passed all their stories down orally. So, like, Faramir probably got to teach Eowyn how to read, which is, like, real cute. But, again, like, yeah, that that intellectual, like, level probably isn't there. But, yeah, I never thought about that.
1: Huh. Interesting. In- interesting. Anywho, on that note. Anywho.
0: Okay, so wait. Do we remember what was number 10 was Dante and Beatrice? Dante and Beatrice. Number nine was uh, James and Lily Potter. Yeah. Number eight was um, Paris and Helen.
1: Paris and Helen, yeah. Uh,
0: number seven was Aelin and Rowan. Number six was... See, this is why Joe should have written things down.
1: Wait, you said Aelin. I think number six was... Mm-mm. Cause number changed. six was Farewell to Arms, right?
0: Yeah. Number six was Farewell to Arms. Yeah. Um. Number seven was... No, we're going the other way. Number five. Number five was uh, Jamie and Claire. Mm-hmm. Number four was...
1: Did we do Gatsby and Daisy yet?
0: That was Gatsby and Daisy. Number four was Gatsby and Daisy. Yeah. Yeah. Number three was Lizzie and Darcy. And then number two was... Oh,
1: my oh, Cyrano and Roxanne. Oh, Cyrano and Roxanne, yeah, and go. then
0: number one is Baron and Luthien. I think that's
1: pretty fair, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good list. I
1: like think it's a good list. I think that's cool that we ended with um, Baron and what's her name again? Luthien. Luthien. Uh... Baron. I was gonna say Laplornian. No. Baron and <laughs> I'm Baron gonna and leave <laughs> because they are the. It's they're like... like the. They're kind of like the Paris in, of Troy. There
0: are so many tropes in that yeah. story. Yeah. yeah.
1: So anyways, that's where we're at.
0: I love it. Thank you, Joe.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm your host, Joe, of Keeping Up With Joe. And we're going to see you next time. Thanks for joining. Bye.